A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Namihi nui and welcome. From RNZ National, here's our changing world. Now that it's summer, Damselflies are one of the insects you'll find flying around ponds and lakes. And to find out more about them and their fast and slow lifestyles, Alison joins University of Otago PhD student Tanya Dan on the outskirts of Dunedin. You see the red things flying around there? Yes. They are damselflies. Okay. That is one species, so there's red ones and there's blue ones. And I study the difference between the two. In New Zealand, there's actually six species of damselfly, uh, two commonly found throughout the entire country, and that's the two that I'm studying. So the red one here is Xanthocnemus solandica. We'll just call it the red one, shall we? The red one, yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, we should say where we are. This is beautiful Sullivan's Dam up above Dunedin. It is. And it's a place you're quite familiar with. It is. I had a, a data logger which used to sit in those bushes and I would uh, go and check that, collect the data off it and it's for temperature data and then I'd spend a couple of hours catching larvae and measuring them. So I've seen adults flying around, you're talking about catching yes. larvae in the water, you better t- tell me about the life cycle. Well the length of the life cycle varies with species. The red ones that you can see flying around we call them slow species because they take so long. Uh, they actually live up to three years as larvae before they metamorphose. Uh, the blue ones live sort of a year, maybe a year and a half as larvae before they metamorphose. Um, so in Auckland where it's warmer, um, they can actually go through an entire life cycle in one summer season. But yeah, it does depend on temperature, food availability and quality of the water as well. So there's two red damselflies down there on that piece of yep. bending grass. So what's going on there? You can see that they're actually joined together. Yep. Uh, so the tail of one is hooked around the head of the other. That's the male holding the female by the back of the neck. Uh, so it's a, it's a mating behaviour. And when they're fully copulating, um, they actually form a heart shape, which is really gorgeous. The ones that were there, they were both red. But you actually get another colour morph with the red ones, where you may see some of them that are are silver or grey or light brown. They're also red ones, but they just have two colour morphs. So damselflies, how do they sit on the insect kingdom? I mean, they look like skinny little dragonflies. That's exactly what they are. They're in the same order as the the dragonflies, so they are odonata, um, but then they branch off. Anisoptera are the dragonflies, mm-hmm. and Zygoptera are the, the damselflies. And so the key difference between them is the size. As you can see, these ones are a lot smaller. Mm. Um, but there's another couple of key features in that the damselflies have their eyes on the side of their head, so you'll see big round balls on the side of their head, where dragonflies have big plates on the front of their face. Uh, and the way they hold their wings as well. So when a dragonfly is, is in resting position, his wings will be open, uh, and damselflies have their wings folded shut, so they sit 90 degrees to the body. 
Do you get dragonflies up around here as well? Yes, we do. Um, there's two species that fly up around here, but I can't tell you which ones they are because I am yet to be quick enough to capture them and find out. But you're quick enough to catch the damselflies? Yes, they're a lot slower than dragonflies. Okay, so you brought your tools at the trade along. The long-handled net is for catching the adults, and yep. then I've got these little blue aquarium nets for catching the larvae. Aha, uh -huh, okay. So we can see if we can find some larvae if I don't fall over the edge here. Try not to. I'm just scraping the underside of the vegetation, um, so getting in. Yeah. So you've got a few things emerging out of the the mud and leaf debris there. I have. Most of these are actually damselfly larvae. The the larger ones here, they are actually the blue. So they almost look like a damselfly without <laughs> without wings. It's very jumpy. It is. Uh, these are the late-stage larvae. So these ones are actually ready to metamorphose. So you can see the wing plates are fully formed on these guys. Uh, and this one They're is... not blue. They're just brown. Yeah. So this one's actually a male. Uh -huh, okay. So Sexing can... lesson for a damselfly. Sexing lesson for a damselfly, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, this little appendage here at the base by the... We'll call them tails. Yes. Uh, they're, they're actually called um, caudal lamellae and they're gill-like structures. So they use those to breathe and absorb um, things from the water. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like a little, it looks like a little hook there. So that's actually the male's penis of sorts. And the one right next to it is actually female. So the surface there is smooth, there's no extra appendage. Yeah, and it's quite a strong crawler. It is. Oh, we've lost it in the grass. That's all right. So they find their way back to the water. Um, and then also in there you've got some of the other ones, you say. I, I do. The, you can see these ones are, are smaller. These aren't at late in star, so they're not ready to metamorphose yet. Um, they've got to molt a few more times. How many times do they molt, do you know? Um, I think from memory my textbook says that it's about 13. As a general rule, the textbook says that the blue one overwinters as an egg, and the red one will overwinter as a late-stage larvae. So what we should find early in the summer season, like we have now, we should find a lot of red ones flying, not a lot of blue ones. So what exactly is the topic of your PhD? What are you looking at with the damselflies? Uh, it's, it's mainly based on life history, so I'm looking at how the two species can coexist. I mean, you saw I put in my net, and in my net, in one scoop, I had both species. So there has to be something different for them to be able to survive in the same location. They eat the same things, they hang out on the same leaves, but there has to be something different. And it's got to do with the, the fast, slow life history that they've got going, or at least that's what I believe. So a lot of the overlap when there's no restrictions on food availability, it doesn't really matter. It's sort of the extremes of their distribution that lead to the differences in, in their life histories. So the red ones, the, the slow ones, they can survive in conditions that aren't so forgiving, so where there's not a lot of food. Uh, so that would be in high-altitude sites. And certainly my site 
that I was looking at on top of the McKellar Saddle. That Which is in Fjordal National Park, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. <laughs> a beautiful spot. Approximately 940 metres or so above sea level. Up there, I, I only ever found one blue larvae. And potentially that got there when a, a female had been blown up in some gust of wind. But I found a whole heap of, of the red ones. That's interesting. So in a, in a more challenging environment, that go-slow lifestyle is better adapted. It is. One of the things that I was looking at was starvation tolerance or resistance. And I did a study where I starved several hundred damselflies to death, uh, which may not sound that wonderful, uh, but what it showed is that there's actually a, a huge difference between the two species. Uh, my fast species, the the blue ones, they were all dead within a couple of months. The slow ones, I had to end my experiment after just over four months because the room was needed and we couldn't go any longer and I still had seven alive. So they take a lot longer. So they can ride out the tough times. They can. Um, so if you think... Four months are surviving. That means that uh, up in those high altitude sites where they're covered in ice and they can't can't go anywhere, they can't metamorphose, they can't do anything, and there's not a lot of food. Uh, if they get something every once in a while, they they're, they're going to be able to hang it out. What do they actually eat? Anything smaller than them. They also eat each other. The slow red ones do better in these more extreme, challenging environments. Are there in here, they seem to be coexisting very nicely. Are there environments where the blue ones do better, where they outcompete the red ones? They do. Uh, anywhere that there is a temporary body of water. Uh, so if a pond is at risk of drying up in the summer season, or towards the end, Australestes, the blue one, can get in there and get its entire life cycle complete and metamorphose and lay eggs again before the place dries up. And the other thing that the slow one is, is very good at is avoiding predators. Slow ones have a freeze response. So as soon as a predator comes along, they will stop moving. But the, the blue ones have a flight response. So they zip on off and, of course, they're seen by the, the predator, which chases them and catches them. So the slow one, the red one, will do better in habitats with predators and Temporary habitats tend to not have predators in them because they can't sustain those individuals. Found only in New Zealand? Xanthicnemus, the red ones, are endemic as a genus to New Zealand. Australestes calensinus, the blue ones, that species is endemic to New Zealand, but there's other species found in Australasia as well. So it's very warm here today. If we'd come out here on a colder day, would we have seen the damselflies flying? Uh, no. The adults tend to start flying about sort of 14 degrees. Literature says sort of anywhere from 14 to 18 degrees is the, the optimal range to start flying. Uh, but on a warm day like this, where it's, it's certainly above that, uh, we can see them, see them taking off all over the show. Excellent. Well, I've got something new to look out for the next time I come to a, a small pond or a lake or some other, as you say, still body of water. Yeah. I'll be able to go, oh, look. 
fast blue ones, slow red ones. <laughs> <laughs> you heard from PhD student Tanya Dan from the Department of Zoology at the University of Otago. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web. rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.